Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And we're talking this week about San Antonio Women in Technology. It's a, an organization uh, Barbara Hewitt agreed to uh, be the founder of uh, back in 2011 uh, and uh, started uh, organizing, getting this group together. And, and so, uh, Barbara, how many meetings have you all had? You guys you meet monthly, but has it always been consistently monthly? Yes, it has been yeah. consistently monthly. So you guys are maybe sneaking up on 100 meetings here now then. Wow, never thought about that. Yeah. And I've only missed two. Two. So that's that's uh, amazing consistency there. And that, I mean, it shows the dedication uh, that you have to making the, the organization successful um, and to helping. It's why you're a college professor, helping people learn, grow, and develop and uh, and become part of a community and, and get a chance to get out there and um speak and present and and do the professional networking things they need to need uh, in order to uh, move their career along yes so uh as as uh, uh going uh through with the san antonio women in technology uh we're uh, talking here for folks listening on 1200 wai um saturday night october 19th um you guys have events coming up here soon well, our next event, like I said, is October 11th, so that'll be in the past by the yeah. time this is um, actually aired. But our next major event for our organization will be the Aspirations event. This is an event. It's um, started from the National Center of Women and Information Technology. They created a program to recognize girls that are in high school that are doing great things in technology. And um, when I went to that session at the in, in Washington, D.C. for the NSF, I learned about this organization. And I asked them, well, in Texas, where, where are these events? I've never heard of them. I'm interested. And they said, well, you're, they went back and looked, and they came back and said, well, your group is from Austin. And I looked at them and said, Austin? And I said, well, Texas is huge. Where yeah. all are they reaching? And um, I said, maybe we should start a San Antonio chapter. And they said, no, we're, we're, we're happy with Austin right now. So they went back to their home. I went back to Texas. They're, they're in out, actually um, Boulder, Colorado, um, their headquarters. And um, we started communicating through email. I showed them how many counties are in t um, Texas. And I also yeah, for went... For those outside of Texas, the answer is 254. Thanks, because yes. I don't know the number, even though yeah. I have taken the list of the counties and yeah. figured out which which each Aspirations local event covers, and we were only covering about half of those counties. So I went in, and I um, looked at those counties, and I mapped them out. This is close to San Antonio, so we would take this area. El Paso has a region, and they should actually come out a little further. Yeah. And Dallas has a region, but they need to maybe go a little north or a little south. Austin needs to grow a little bit. Houston needs to grow a little bit. I think there's one other region up in the Lubbock area. Yeah, that, that, that panhandle that everyone always forgets, except yes. for Texas Tech. you got to find a, a faculty member over there to, to pick it up and take it. Yes. Yeah, so, so anyway, once I sent this, it took about another year to negotiate with them. And I we did form the San Antonio Area Aspirations Award Recognition and um, basically what um, female high school students do is they go to aspirations.org to fill out the application. The deadline is November 1st for their applications to be submitted. And they also have to have an educator that um, basically um, gives a little recommendation for them. And they also need their parents' permission. 
And um, once they do all of that, first they are reviewed for national winners. And out since we started probably um, 2013, we have had one national winner all years except for last year, which is pretty amazing because they pick um, 50 winners. And remember, we have 50 states and our state has yeah. has six areas. So so it's pretty cool to have a winner every year in our region. And we also usually get about two to three runners up for, at the nationals. And then we also review them for our local event. At our local event, we honor the girls. We honor at least 10 as winners because they're doing very, very exciting things. And we, um, t the others are honorable mentions unless we've had a couple that have put on their app, hey, I like computers, period. And we're trying to scratch our head to see if they really like computers or not. Yeah. But uh, most of them we do invite in for, for our event. Um, it's hosted um, now by a university. Last year it was at Trinity University. This year it's going to be at Texas A&M San Antonio. And the good news for the people down in Brownsville, because we do get um, winners from the Brownsville area, is that they won't have to travel across San Antonio at 5 o'clock rush hour yeah, traffic. Just, just down to the Texas A&M San Antonio campus, which is on the, the south side of uh our gigantic city. Yes, yes. So the people in San Antonio think they're traveling forever, but um, for everybody else, um, it'll be a good location. And um, basically, um, we recognize we bring them all in. We bring in their parents. We bring in their educator, and um, we recognize those girls. Uh, often, we get give them scholarships depending on how much money we raise. We give the winners um, up to $500, and the runners-up usually get a stipend for attending because especially those from Brownsville are spending a lot of money on gas and stuff to get up here. But um, we want to recognize all of them, even if they're coming from San Antonio. And um, we also bring in um, table hosts. These are um, college or computer professionals, and these computer professionals then sit at the table and maybe answer questions that the student has themselves or maybe their parents have. Um, I know we're going back a long time, but when I first said I wanted to be a computer programmer, my parents looked at me and said, what is that? And it took my brother coming home from college to say that's the best thing she can do to get me into it. So I feel that having those table hosts there allows them to hear someone else to say, hey, I'm out working in the field professionally, successfully, and I'm happy doing it. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, I think one of the, the big goals that we have with CyberTalk Radio. And if you want to hear from uh, all the way up to, to female CEOs running cybersecurity companies uh, down to we've ha had uh, female high school students that are on Cyber Patriot teams on the program as well. Uh, so you can uh, learn uh, all about um, all those different spots, uh, where and, and how these things can help uh, you grow um, and what opportunities there are for you from a, a career perspective um, at all those different points and different routes and paths you, you could choose to go. Um, yeah, but we've just got to continue to get the word out about these opportunities. And I, I just mentioned Cyber Patriot for if you, this is your first time listening to Cyber Talk Radio. Um, that's a middle school and high school level team sport uh, for cybersecurity. So uh, instead of playing football or basketball or baseball, you can play Cyber Patriot. Um, they have regular match schedule just like all other sports. They have practices just like all other sports. So if you, your son or daughter comes home and says that they want to – um, go hang out at the computer lab to be on a cyber patriot team. They're not trying to hack into the school and change their grades. They're trying to learn valuable cyber security skills to build a, a, a college admissions pathway for themselves and, and even potentially a career straight out of high school these days. 
Yes. And in fact, most of our, um, the people, the young ladies that we recognize are either Cyber Patriot participants, they um, are part of the FIRST Robotics teams, or they're doing something at their school. Maybe they're um, implementing a computer security club, or they're going down to a local elementary school or middle school and teaching younger kids how to do something with computers, or just um, are in computer classes and finding a passion for computing. You're listening to 1200 WAI, and this is Cyber Talk Radio. Uh, and uh, so for the uh, the Aspirations Award, you mentioned uh, scholarships. And I know uh, for listeners out there, my, my day job, I run a uh, cybersecurity company here in San Antonio called Jungle Disk. We've contributed a scholarship. If other organizations are interested in um, giving scholarships to the San Antonio chapter, how do they reach out to you to do that? Probably the easiest way is my email address. Okay. And, and I'm it, a, it's, it's on the internet already. I'm sure okay. as a college professor, right, if I go yes. to your, your, your faculty profile page, your email address is up there. So we yes. can give it out on the radio, too. Yes, it's bh05 at txstate.edu. That's the campus that everybody thinks of as Southwest Texas still, but yeah. you're now Texas State. Yeah, txstate.edu. Yes, and that was uh, bh05. Zero five. BH zero five. So only four. That's nice and short. Because I was there a long time ago. Remember, I said yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I was the fifth BH. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of funny. Yeah. So, if if that's the way, is that really how they hand them out? That's how they handed them out then. Back then. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So now it's it, more ra- more random, but they kept mine for me. That's nice. Yeah. So. so uh, so the bh05 at txstate.edu, and and so you've had you've had the first four of that email address. The the domain and all the rest of it has changed maybe yes. a couple of times. Once, just actually, only, only just yes. once. Okay, yes. interesting. Yes, I think we were swt.edu forever. Okay. Yeah. So don't send to that one now. No, no, that'll <laughs> that'll go into the ether of the internet somewhere. But yeah, if you if your organization's interested in um, providing a, a scholarship uh, to female high school students here in the area. Um, to study uh, computing and technology, uh, reach out to to Barbara, uh, and she would be uh, happy to have you uh, come in and join. And for the the national level of the at aspirations.org, yes. I'm sure you could do, someone else could donate at the national level as well if they wanted to be involved. Yes, there. they can. They can become actually an affiliate of the NCWIT and support at the um, national level. Um, the other thing is, is if there are um, any parents or any students that are interested in learning more, they can always email me as well. Okay. Yes. Especially you've, if you're listening right now and thinking, I want to apply for a scholarship. You have um, about 11 days left to get that scholarship application in from the time we're on the air here. Uh, so this will actually be up on the internet. So if you are listening to the podcast here that first week that we went live on all the podcasting services, uh, you could be... Uh, out there still applying for that so you've got a little bit uh, to get in for this year's uh, but if you're not a, a junior or senior there in high school you can you can always junior even you can go back and apply again next year right actually we they allow people freshmen sophomore juniors or seniors um one of our top winners last year was a freshman and she was doing such amazing things already i'm waiting to see what she enters in her application this year yeah, I'm I'm been super excited. I'm involved in one of the the high schools here, uh, Cast Tech, which is a entrepreneurship and, and computing in district charter program um, run by SAISD and the uh, HEB Foundation, um, and the, working on that. And and so they're just have juniors finally this year, um, and they've had a, a 
at least one. I think maybe they have two now, all female Cyber Patriot teams. And as I'm waiting until they're up to their senior year to be able to see now being together for four years, working on those teams to uh, where they're going to be able to do at the the national level of that competition after they've they've been able to progress through all the years working together in high school. Yes, that'll be exciting to see. Yes. So, yeah, if you wanted to, for parents out there as well, there's so many great educational options um, at the, the high school uh, level now. And even down in the, the middle schools, you're starting to see some of these youth academies and things going on. Um, don't just settle for sending your child to your zip code based neighborhood school anymore. The school districts are all doing great things to help provide the educational opportunities that will get your your son or daughter more excited about the things that they're studying whether it's technology, and I'm going to try to recruit you all into Cyber Patriot and into technology careers here on this program, because I think that, that there's uh, a massive shortage uh, out there of folks with these skills um, today and on into the future, and this is going to be something that we're going to continue to need. Um, even if you're just headed into middle school right now, this is something you can study, and it's going to apply from now until the end of the time, at least your career um, and my career and the rest of them. Uh, but there's all sorts of programs even outside of the whether it's a law magnet program or health careers or all sorts of things that these these schools are making available now and um this is uh i, I wish i almost could go back to high school now comparing to what we have uh, what we had when we were in school to what's available in these schools now um much more customized and, and why you see i think higher engagement at university level for students is that that they get to study and take more classes on the things they're excited about Yes, I was going to say with all the AP credit that they can do and things, sometimes they come in as juniors. And unfortunately for us, we only get to see them for two years then. Yeah. But often then we talk to, talk them into go to, going on for master's degrees, which is really important. No, a so. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I took, uh, I think back when I was high school, uh, uh, what was considered a whole bunch of AP classes back then. Uh, and now I think the minimum number of AP classes that you'll take if you're going to graduate from Cast Tech is more than I took to become a, a national AP scholar back in, in my high school days. So, yeah, the, what's going on now at high school? Everyone says that we're, we're dumbing things down. We're making education easier. Um, I, I think your, your frame of reference is off. Uh, I think that, that students are expected to learn more and know more now than ever before. I agree. And some of the things, like I said, that these young ladies are doing, such as apps that are reaching out to other people and um, creating um, clubs within their schools, all the leadership they're doing, um, actually organizing, organizing events for students that are younger than them. I mean, it's just amazing to see what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, so some some other events going on here, and I was just looking through our show notes. So we got the, the core for STEM event. How have you been involved in that one? Um, the San Antonio Hispanic Chamber has been doing CORE 4 for, I think, eight years. Um, I have been there most years um, teaching um, the students that come to that program. Basically, it's a program where they invite Latinos and Latinas to come and look at all the STEM careers. Um, there are people from Toyota out in the big, big area running their trucks very loudly. Yes. And we're trying to teach how the, the students how to program or or something along that line and having a little bit of competition there. But at the same same time, they're getting to get their feet wet in all of those different types of fields to try to get them as they're starting to think about what they're going to do in high school. And then further on, trying to get them thinking about those STEM. STEM careers. Yeah, I, I spoke on a panel at the the, the um, 
the over lunch there at the kind of core for STEM awards this past year. Uh, and one of the, the um, executives from Toyota had a, a person out there along with them in the exoskeleton that some of the engineers at Toyota are working and designing. So this is uh, like if, if uh, you've seen some of these movies where you get fitted with an exoskeleton to get superpowers and super strength. This stuff's actually happening out there in industry. People are building and designing these things now. Um, and it, and it's, it's transforming um, what was kind of, quote, manual labor into like this exoskeleton-assisted labor. Um, but at the same time, uh, on the medical research side of things, um, I haven't. I was talking with one of the, the engineers that's designing these and said that they've, they're folks working on um, building exoskeletons that will allow people that can't walk to walk. Um, and so, I mean, even more just than prosthetics, this will be a whole exoskeleton that just attaches your legs mount in. And like the, the days of, of uh, wheelchairs um, may be behind us here in the next 10 to 20 years. It's pretty amazing stuff. And these are you know, the kind of things in science and technology that you can can learn and get involved and go work on yes it's it's a to me it's all like let me go back and play like yeah. you said go back so that i can i can play in some of these new careers that we didn't have when i was going through to school um yeah i mean for for robotics if i yeah i go back to our computer robotics lab at that point it was a few servos and like some real really basic stuff i mean it, it the for people that have watched how things are made on tv it's like uh the yeah, just 20 plus years ago, we were studying how to um, assembly line uh, bottle manufacturing and sort of things, but nothing like what we're, what's getting worked on right now. Um, and for those in the cybersecurity side of things, you imagine you give somebody an exoskeleton, prosthetic legs, and these um, you would want whatever software is programmed into those legs to be safe. Because um, if the legs decide to run the person out in front of traffic because they got hacked, not good. Um, so like, uh, yeah, this is where, um, cybersecurity jobs, you go, well, why are we going to need so many more cybersecurity professionals? Well, as we start to add computing chips and technology and software into literally everything we're doing, um, all of those areas, the software is going to have to stay safe. The system's going to have to stay safe. The data inside of it's going to need to be kept safe. Uh, and that's going to require folks with, um, security and risk management mindset to, to go through and take care of those. Yes, and not just those legs walking off the sidewalk, but also the car not driving on the sidewalk because yeah. a hacker has taken over it. Yes, yeah, the self-driving automobiles. We've we've done a whole uh, we did a whole program episode on on risk management and things around self-driving cars uh, with uh, an attorney here who specializes in some of that stuff. So if you wanted to learn more um, about, uh, yes, I mean some of the the ethics of autonomous vehicles uh, and, and what's going to go on there on some of these decision-making, the software programming, and the hacking around it. Uh, check out our archives at www.cybertalkradio.com or um, out there on a, your favorite podcasting service. Uh, my favorite podcasting service is Stitchers. They're not – no, it's not really Stitchers. It's the one for the cool kids are on. I'm on Pocket Casts, uh, which uh, is the one I use. It seems to work real well for me. They are not a sponsor of the program, so that was just a, a free plug. Um I'm on an Android phone device, so I can't have that fancy iTunes. Apple won't make their streaming software available anywhere other than on their own devices. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> no, trying to get me to buy a $1,300 phone. Yes. So, no, Apple's not a sponsor of the program either. Uh, so we don't have any sponsors. We we don't have any advertising here. It just makes our life easier. Uh, so uh, with this, and I'm just going through as we, we look. So getting involved with the San Antonio Women in Technology, monthly 
monthly meetings. Where can people um, check in to, to see the schedule? The best thing is actually for them to email me and get on the distribution list because instead of holding a meeting in October, we're going to instead uh, meet the next day for the university symposium. In November, we should be back on the second Thursday of the month at Trinity University. Um, I don't have a speaker lined up yet, but um, that's another option is for somebody to say, hey, I'd I've got a cool thing I've been working on that I can share. And can I come to the meeting and share it with the folks? Yeah. Last um, spring, we all of our sessions were on artif artificial intelligence. It was pretty cool to hear what different faculty and different um, individuals were doing in the artificial intelligence world. Um, we've done um, a lot of cybersecurity talks, but there's always room for more. Our audience changes, and not only that, cybersecurity is changing more rapidly than anything else in this world right now. Constantly evolving landscape. Yes. In December, we usually hold a mixer at a restaurant instead of a meeting, so that's why it's best for them to get on the list so that they'll know when the meetings are um, and make sure we're holding a meeting that month. Sounds so. good. So that was BH05 at txstate.edu. Yes. Okay. Uh, um, as uh, for a, a speaker perspective, so uh, folks talk for uh, about how long at the meeting? Either 30 minutes to 40 minutes. And okay. then um, our, our um, other members are very inquisitive. Yes. So they spend a lot of time asking so, questions. So prepare a 20-minute speech. Prepare to spend 30 to 45 <laughs> answering all the questions while you try to deliver your 20 minutes of content. Yes. It's one of those kind of groups. That's good. That's the that's yes. the, the great kind of interactive. And, and I think this, this goes on both sides as well. We were talking a lot about these professional development things. But learning to get out there. Um, in front of an audience, deliver your knowledge in, in the right format for that audience. And then on the, the flip side of that, being an audience member and not being afraid to ask a question in front of a group. Um, and I think this is one of those that's powerful of having the women in technology group together. Folks feel safe to ask questions where I, I know for sure when I'm going and delivering sessions at conferences, there's... 95 men in the room and there's five women sitting hidden off in a corner somewhere and they're afraid to ask a question in front of them because afterwards two guys will walk out and they'll be like do you hear that dumb question that got asked by the way the only question that's dumb is the one that you don't ask when you don't know the answer exactly. other than that it's a good question and we were all learning at some point none of us were born knowing all the things that just got delivered in a session or got the the answer to uh, whatever you've been asked so the the only one is is to be afraid to ask the question where you you wanted to learn and you were ashamed to learn no one should ever be ashamed to learn yes and i i think even guys do that though sometimes are afraid oh, to ask sure. those questions that they'll look look dumb and they're not and um it's really great because sometimes they they actually ask enough questions that we don't hold a meeting we just go, hey, that was great. Here are, yeah. the, here are the five bullet items I need you to know. I'll email you in a week. And, um, you know, let's go. Yeah. So. yeah, I think it's awesome. Yes, I think about just more uh, guests we've had in the program. We've had a ton of female guests in the program. Uh, another one um, the, runs the – she's the lead instructor for the data science uh, program at CODEP here, which is a, a um, career accelerator in software development and data science now. And, uh, and Maggie, who was on the, the program, she's the, the lead um, on the faculty there teaching. Um, I think she's also an adjunct professor over at Trinity. She may okay. still be over there as an adjunct, um, or if not, she was in the past. And I, I, I think you have uh, – yeah, I mean, all sorts of folks uh, out there doing – everything um across in, in females gen in 
doing everything across technology from both genders and uh, just getting a chance to meet them and have those role models at the right point in your life will help us get the snowball rolling in the right direction. Yes, because one of the things that that we hear all the time is that we're going to have over a million people shortage in IT. For sure. And um, when we do, what's going to happen? You know, because we're not going to have people testing things as well as they should. So we're going to get a lot of code out there that's bad. Yeah. And um, so we need to fill those positions. And it's, you know, it, for me, as, as I'm getting older, I'm going, we need those positions filled so that my life continues and the comfort I have with technology everywhere. So, yes. So thank you uh, very much for joining us on the program this week. Uh, thank you for listening out there in the audience on 1200 WAI or uh, your favorite podcasting service. Um, check us out at www.cybertalkradio.com uh, or reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter. Um, Cybertalk Radio as well, where you can learn more about uh, women in technology and all the rest of the things we cover here uh, on our weekly program. Welcome to Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And I'm joined uh, this week by Barbara Hewitt, who's a professor at Texas State University. Uh, but we're not here talking about Texas State. If you did want to know about some of the cybersecurity and computer science uh, things going on at Texas State University, uh, we've uh, had another member of the faculty on uh, where we, we talked about some of the, the cool things that they are doing there. You can check that out on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com, uh, as well as uh, out there on all the podcasting services across the Internet. And if you uh, have a favorite podcasting service uh, that you listen to, and you, if you do not see CyberTalk Radio on that service, let us know on Facebook or Twitter at CyberTalk Radio. We will fix that. We will get you a CyberTalk Radio t-shirt for finding uh, yet another podcast service for us to uh, share the, the content uh, that we are able to produce here uh, on a weekly basis with our guests. Uh, CyberTalk Radio has been on the air for about three years now. Uh, you can be listening to this uh, from 1200 WAI in your, in your car or anywhere else with an AM radio uh, or via the iHeartRadio streaming app if you uh, choose to listen to us live. If not, uh, each week the program goes up on our website uh, on Tuesday following uh, that weekend broadcast. And and uh, it will be there uh, until the end of time on the Internet for, well, for however long podcasting continues to work. Uh was it things like RSS feeds and these other ones? You put them up now. There's not an RSS reader left to grab an RSS feed with anymore. So uh, it's interesting to see how quick the the internet changes. Uh, but uh, my guest this week, uh, she's uh, here to talk about uh, something else, uh, not directly the work at the university. It's a San Antonio Women in Technology. And it's a, an organization uh, that she founded. Um, gosh, you're you're sneaking up on a decade here pretty quick. Yes, I am. I founded it in 2011. Yeah. So if, if we rewind back to 2011, and I was here working in technology in San Antonio at that point in time, uh, AT&T had just left town. Uh, Rackspace had just become a public company. There was a little bit, a few other things going on. What made you decide to start a women in technology uh, group uh, and effort at that point in time here in San Antonio? Actually, many forces came together at about the same time. I'd been invited to an NSF um, session in Washington, D.C. to talk about women in computing. And at the same time, I was part of the Chamber of Commerce's, San Antonio Chamber of Commerce's IT program um, and, and at their meetings every month and working with them to do different events and stuff around the city. 
And interestingly enough, I was thinking about this as a, as a something that I thought I could do. And at the same time, Chris Cook from that effort sent me an email and said, hey, we're looking for someone to stand up a women in technology group. And what he provided that I didn't have access to was a list of organizations and people in those organizations that would be good to be part of that, that group. So I, and he didn't just send it to me, he sent it to a lot of people, but I raised my hand and said, yes, I'll do this. I assumed I was taking about a two year commitment, maybe three year commitment. Yeah. And, and it turned into as long as it has. Um, so I sent out the list, invited people to a meet meeting. Um, we started, I think, at Rackspace meeting. We moved to Geektum downtown. Yeah. Um, then we went to Digital Defense in, um, in sort of um, North, North San Antonio. Yeah. And now our home has been Trinity University for the last um, probably four years. Um, trying to find a location in San Antonio that's easy to get to, and there's not one. Yeah, and um, it's an interesting one where where everything is reasonably close here, but nothing is actually really close. Um, yes. It's a we're we're a good sized city. Um, I think uh, the San Antonio city limits might be as big as the entire state of Rhode Island. Uh, I've heard some rumors on that. So anyone out there listening, you can correct me on that. Just if if I'm off there, if if San Antonio is smaller than Rhode Island, let me know on Twitter. Um, tell me that my geography is bad, and I'll be be happy to be corrected there. But I think the city is pretty darn good size. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, with this organization, so you, you um, got with that list from from Chris and started um, reaching out to other people. And as you started having these conversations, uh, what was their reaction um, initially? It was receptive. Um, the, the big thing is, is that women are very busy and between their jobs, their families and everything else, there's there's a there's a struggle for them to also find time to be part of any any kind of commitment outside of that especially yes. on any type of normal basis yeah so. no and this is one for ladies out there and men as well everyone working in your career if you're going to be part of a community you're going to progress beyond the role in the job you have now you need to to carve off some of your adult time for professional social interactions so it can't all just be going out fun with your friends it can't also be going home and doing all the things at the house. Um, you need to figure out how to balance um, some professional social time and social interaction. Um, where it's where you get to have conversations that you didn't you, you didn't expect to have, um, and and those professional conversations about things you didn't expect to have can lead you uh, into whole new areas of study um, inside your career and your field. And can really create opportunities because you, you may uncover as just like as we're talking along here on the radio, Barbara mentioned digital defense. They're a, a company that uh, does cybersecurity here in San Antonio. They're up in the middle of town. Um, they've been here for a long time. We've had a couple of folks uh, from from uh, digital defense on Cyber Talk Radio. If you'd never heard about them, you didn't know that they're here. You didn't know you could get a job. You didn't know that they would want to host a women in technology event um, as a cybersecurity company. And without these professional social interactions and conversations, you're going to miss all those opportunities. Yes, they are. Yeah. And for, for partners out there um, in relationships, it's not, it's not fair for you to go do all of the professional social interacting. Expect the other person to do all of the, the domestic and your own 
social circle scheduling and interacting and everything else. And I see a lot of relationships. It doesn't even really matter on gender as much these days as it used to. There's probably still some some lines there on that. But with the, the scheduling of of your, your adult social interaction on the social side, not the professional social side, um, especially if the partners work in different fields, um, you've got to carve that time off to allow each to go out and do that. And you each need to, to make that sacrifice for each other. If you aren't, um, we could need to be back on some other Dr. Phil radio hour or whatever else talking about the <laughs> dynamics of personal relationships. We'll stay a little bit out of that here, but I mean, it is, it's something that's critical, um, and to, to go and to do. And as, as we dig into all the reasons of why do certain people progress their career more so than others? Yes. And, and, um, to that point, when we did meet, we decided that our goal was to reach for women, whether they were young before they decided they wanted to get into computing whether they were already in their educational um, stream to get to that, that goal or whether they were any, already in the field, we wanted to support all of those people so that they could find a very rewarding career in computing. Yeah. And, and so uh, and as we didn't talk yet about where you, you teach at, at Texas State, but um, uh, going through this as I think about uh, technology piece, have you done, uh, and we'll ask a little bit about where you, you teach, but do you see for females in technology going to different industries or career areas than the, the, the men in technology? Sometimes. I yeah. see women that go into the traditional roles, but I also see women going into companies and I go, wow, that's ex that's an excellent place to work. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about working at, at a check printing place or, yeah. you know, or something like that when I'd gone out or even when I'm, re you know, when I'm um, advising students where to apply. Yeah. You know, so which college are you in at the, the university? Actually, First. I'm in the College of Health Professions. Okay, so College of Health Professions, but on the technology management side of that information management. Yes, yes. It's basically the health information management programs. Those are the man the programs that manage your health records yeah. when you go into facilities. And um, one of the interesting things is it's one of the last frontiers for technology, really getting started around the year 2009 after high tech. Um, one of the major laws was enacted to increase that number of electronic health records. Yeah, yeah, so for, for listeners out there, if, if you've heard the acronym HIPAA before, the Health Information Portability and Accountability Act, uh, so so that's what's what's going on there with, with HIPAA. The idea was to make it to where we could have a medical record where if you went and saw a new doctor, that doctor would actually have your whole medical record. No one has my whole medical record. I don't even know who all of my different doctors were. And by the way, if we could go back and find out whoever I got my sixth gra uh, grade physical from, they've thrown the records away. So most of us as, as adults out here, unless you are super OCD and every time you switch doctors or leave doctors, you ask for a copy of your records, there are a few people, I'm sure, that have a full his medical history. Most mm -hmm. of us do not. Um, and HIPAA, HIPAA was intended to solve that. HIPAA was not intended around this, this data privacy. It, that was one piece of it. But the real reason that bill was passed initially was to make it so health information was portable across hospitals and medical providers um, to improve the quality of health care. And then high tech was an amendment to that, as you said, yeah, I guess about... Uh, almost 15 years later yes. uh, that that really went and told everybody, okay, it's not just good enough to make copies of medical records or have them in a paper file in a standardized format. You now need to make these things digital. 
Um, and so we've been trying to implement digital healthcare records for about a decade now um, mm-hmm. in the private sector. And it's uh, they, they keep drawing a line in the sand. Everyone has to have it all digital by this date. And you maybe can tell me that we've actually we've crossed over the line of the sand now, but it seems like they keep redrawing the line as we get right up to that line. Yes. Well, in 2015, they finally at least said that those records had to be certified or those systems had to be certified. Um, and 2017, 96% of hospitals and over 90% of physicians in their offices have electronic health records. So I think we're at at a good, you know, at a better place than we were, but they're still not talking to each other. Yeah. In the yeah, so systems not interoperable. Yes. Yeah. Um, and as you say, electronic medical records. I think the fact that I came into the office and what treatment codes and stuff I got is all medical. I sure still feel like I see doctors scribbling notes down, and I don't know how many of those notes get typed in. Or if I go get X-rays, are they all really getting digitally scanned and put in my file? Yeah. yeah, this may be a topic for another program because yes. we're here to talk about women and technology right now. But I mean, yeah, this is, is some of the fun challenges that are going on out there um, in but the tech one, field. And one thing I'd like to say is in, in that field, in that HIM program, we're actually graduating roughly about 90 percent females oh, and only awesome. about five to 10 percent males. So it's actually a flipped campus because if I go into a computer science program anywhere here in San Antonio, I'm probably going to see 20% or less females and the rest are going to be males. Yeah. And which is one of the issues that we have still today is, is they're not seeing enough people like them in the classroom or as a professor to feel comfortable being in that role. Yeah. So that's, a, that's an interesting one. Cause yeah, if you, if you go across from your, college on the the campus over to the 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 college of engineering or probably where computer science may sit um and and you look at the the demographics there as you said it's probably the the complete opposite other side of the coin um so i think it's a kudos to to texas state for being thoughtful about that stuff because i think across probably the whole health careers college is likely not even just on the tech side but is much more heavily weighted towards female Yes, if yeah. you think about it, nursing um, is an, is another area that's predominantly female. But if I walk out of into our building, I see about fifty percent in any of the programs. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and I think that it's, it's good as as universities expand and add technology programs into these different domains, um, so that people can be around uh, a more balanced environment while studying technology. Yes. So uh, at, at Texas State, how long have you you been there? This last time for since 2015. Okay. I started there as a systems analyst back in, I don't even want to say how long ago. Yeah. Before it was called Texas State. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Long before it was called Texas State. Long before they had almost 40,000 students. Yeah. No, it's a, <laughs> a big campus now. Yes. Yes. And I got recruited away from my systems analyst role to teach in this HIM program because they were just starting to introduce computer classes in 99. And um, and then UTSA started offering a um, PhD in information technology. And I felt that was a good calling for me was to go back and get my PhD so that I could continue teaching, but be one of those role models in a CIS or CS program. Yeah. So when you started San Antonio Women in Technology, you were not at Texas State then. What were you what were you working on? I was I had finished my PhD. I was at Texas A&M San Antonio as a professor in their CIS program. I saw um, 
probably 10% or less females in that program. And um, that was what got me to, you know, one of the reasons why I started thinking about it, that at most places, there's very few women. And if, but if we bring all the women together in one place, that we'll see that we're bigger in numbers than we think. Yeah. Um, and it actually even started me, uh, started one of the programs that I offer in San Antonio Women in Technology. Each fall, we um, run a symposium. This symposium is, um, we invite all the university and college students from the San Antonio area to come together for one afternoon. Um, and what they do at this this symposium is they hear an inspirational speaker, somewhat, some woman that is in a position in tech that um, is inspirational, something they could move towards, look, look towards being. Then we um, offer a session on negotiation because we know that women have to negotiate a lot of different things. Sometimes it's their salaries. While some organizations set now a set salary for everybody starting so that there is no gender gap at the beginning, other places still allow people to, to basically negotiate their salary. We're finding that women negotiate at least 20% lower than men get and a lot of those positions. And so that gap has already started when they start their position. Uh, but they also have to negotiate other things, like negotiate coming to a meetings, negotiate going to conferences, negotiate maybe working a four week, four day week instead of a five day week because they have something they have to do on that last day. Yeah. And we see a lot of women leaving technology and I think it's because they're having to choose something else maybe caring for an elderly patient, parent, maybe um, caring for children, whatever it is. First, they have that lower salary because they didn't negotiate right at the beginning. Second, they can't, don't feel comfortable negotiating for some type of um, compromise um, work, work week-wise or workday length-wise or something. And so they're, they're removing themselves from the IT field. Yeah. Well, and then, yeah, I mean, lots of, of fields where wages tend to be higher um, yes yeah uh so it, it's one um yeah it, you should go out um there's plenty of data out there these days to get an idea of what the salary numbers are if you um, aren't doing that you should go ahead and go do it uh, and come to a, a group like san antonio women technology talk with them and and interact there figure out how other folks have been successful um, in those conversations and yeah because yeah, everyone deserves professional development um, yeah, and like I'm I'm a, a big believer that anyone that's going to, to hire uh, folks should be developing everybody inside the entire company not just some pool of high potential candidates that you're discriminating against everybody else with uh, you should be training everyone and uh, I think there's there's a one of these fun internet memes out there going around about this one of where the CEO says that uh, that everyone needs to go to, to training, and and uh, and the CFO comes back and says, "Well, what if we train them and they leave and we get a better job somewhere else?" And the CEO says, "Well, what if we don't train them and they stay?" So uh, I mean, yeah, this is this is one where you need to be training folks all the time, and if you're giving them, you're training them and letting them grow and develop and 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 doing that in a way um, that they are learning things that makes them more productive for the business, then they should get paid more as those things all go on and, and they grow and evolve. 
Um, and sometimes maybe they'll outgrow an organization, and, and that's good. You build an alumni network. People don't stay at the university for forever unless you're going to be a professor there. Um, folks go on, and then they, they go back and look at those years in, in the area where they were, and they grew and they developed at the university very fondly. They can look on that at a career and a point in a company as well, and then they will refer other people over to you to come work for you because they know you'll do the same thing for that next generation, and it can make running your business much better than uh, um, these other methods of, of trying to uh, extract um, the information out of people that they already know and not teaching them anything new and not giving them opportunity to learn. Yes. And so the, I'm on my soapbox there for a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> yes. And the other thing that we do in this program is we have a work-life balance session where we invite a panel of recent graduates to come back and to talk to these new student, these students that are about to go out, even though we include students that might be sophomores or juniors in this session, to understand what it's like to work from eight to five versus being in college where you go to classes if you want to sometimes even. Yeah. And the last part is a career fair so that they, if they're ready to, they can actually show their resume and, and talk to um, potential employers. But they can also talk to them about, I want to know what I need to take that last year of, at the university to make me a good candidate for you to hire if they're not that, that senior going to graduate and possibly even find an internship somewhere. Yeah. I mean, as I think about uh, recommendations for students in your program on the health information management side is... Go independent study piece. Go get download spec sheets for a bunch of the health information management software systems and try to to sit down and map out and look at like how would you import a medical record from another system? How would you export it? How would you start to scope and plan a project like that? And if you go talk to an employer and you can show that you're interested in the challenges and problems inside their industry and you're spending your own time to think about these things and learn them and understand them, that's going to get you hired. Mm -hmm. If you're just showing up and you're doing all of just the curriculum in the class and you can check a box and say, I got the degree at the end of the day, but none of this stuff really interests me, it's going to make it much more challenging to get hired out there. Yes, you're right. In fact, I try to challenge my students also with any kind of competitions yeah. that are out there for them to um, show showcase what they know, their knowledge as well. And Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and, and for those not in college yet, please try to major in something that you're excited about studying um, because technology especially, but I mean, basically every career out there these days is evolving so much more rapidly than it ever has before that if you don't enjoy learning as an adult and you're not going to want to learn during your career, I mean, you just heard me on my soapbox earlier in the program about continually professional development the whole time along. If you're not going to learn, you'll get hired at a good salary potentially out of school when you were focused on learning. And then your pay will actually just go either stay flat or go down from there over time as the skills you have become less and less valuable organizations as the their business evolves and moves beyond you. So not the track and trajectory you would uh, you would like to be on. Uh, so for the uh, the growth of the the organization over the years, so as, as these things they go up, they you get a lot of folks interested usually out of the gate, um, and then for a few years it grows, and then you, you get kind of this um, four to five, six, seven year old range where you're at now. Sometimes things continue to grow. Sometimes it starts. You start to get older members leaving, and maybe new folks coming in. How is that uh, that that growth and evolution evolved for the San Antonio Women in Technology Group? We stay steady on numbers. They're low, but at the same time, um, a lot of very interesting individuals coming. 
they change over time. You know, we get new members and other people, like you said, do drop off because something else has happened in their lives. And um, but it's always a good great group. Um, our meetings usually um, run in the way that we do networking first because we know that everybody's trying to get to the meeting t meeting, which starts at 530 and traffic is bad all over. So so we started with the networking session, then we actually have somebody come and present. Um, this last month we had somebody present about um, cybersecurity and um, looking at it through the internet of things. And then we have our meeting, very short usually, but talking about what our next event is going to be, how we're going to plan for it, and um, any other thing, any other news anyone else has. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and I'm uh, joined by Barbara Hewitt, who's a professor uh, at Texas State University. And the uh, are you the, the founder, do you have an official other name, a title other than founder for San Antonio Women in Technology? No, I don't. No, <laughs> the, the initial organizer that, that shot that she was going to be involved for a year or two in this, and here we are um, eight years later. Uh, if you're listening to us uh, on 1200 WAF, if you're listening in a podcast, eventually this could be uh, 10 years old, could be 20 years old. We'll know who, know, who knows how long podcasts will be around. But uh, if you're going to be able to stick with us here uh, on the radio through our bottom of the hour break, we're going to do a news traffic and weather update here in a minute. Uh, and we'll be back um, to continue and talk more about some of the events coming up. Um, in San Antonio uh, related for women in technology and, and really for folks uh, even outside of that a little bit. Uh, some of these events will span uh, both genders and uh, all age groups and everything else. So you can uh, continue with us and learn about that. Uh, we'll have this episode up on our website on Tuesday, October 22nd. Uh, and it will go there at www.cybertalkradio.com and it'll go out on all the podcast services uh, all across the, the internet. Uh, if you are listening on one of those podcast services and you're enjoying the program, please subscribe. Uh, thank you. And uh, let us know uh, via Facebook or, or Twitter. The podcast services do not have amazing analytics and tracking. Uh, so if you want to let us know you're listening, you're out there, and you appreciate the program, Facebook and Twitter is the, uh, the best way to reach us. And with that, uh, we will be back after this news, traffic, and weather update here on 1200 WAI. 